Thank you. Thanks, Di. Okay. Well, I'm back, and we're going to get into the Word very shortly. But first, I just want to let you know what we've got coming up at church. So um, we've got our volunteer night coming up, which is awesome. So next Tuesday, Tuesday the 20th of September, we're going to get together uh, um, Adult and Teen Challenge, and we're just going to we just want to really bless all our amazing volunteers. And anyone who's thinking about volunteering as well, then please come along and just share the evening with us. It's always such a beautiful time of just fellowship getting together, eating desserts. There's always a lot of cake, which is awesome. So we really love you to, to get along to that. And also, as many of you may know, we've got our Empower course um, running um, after the service um, this Sunday and then next Sunday as well. And Empower really just helps you just um, to, to discover your gifts, to discover what God's given you and then how you can take steps to begin using them gifts and get connected into the life of the church. So if you've not done Empower um, and you're ready to know what God has given you, then we would love to see you there. It's not too late. You can jump on board and you can head over to the Everyday Hub with us after the service. Okay, is that all right? Are we going well? Are we ready to get into the Word of God this morning? Amen, amen, amen. So what I really want to try and do this morning is is maybe a little bit of teaching, preaching. Is that okay? And maybe it's not teaching because maybe you all already know it, which is fabulous <laughs> as well. Um, but, but I really want to just try, and, uh, try and, 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 let us and get us to go a little deeper this morning. Is that all right? Just get us to go a little deeper and maybe try and see something um, about God or about ourselves and about others um, that maybe we've not yet seen. Maybe we have, maybe we've not. And, and maybe we've not yet connected to and drawn it in. Um, so I really want us to just, just to try and go a little deeper this morning with the with the ultimate goal of, of, of going deeper with Jesus, right? Of knowing Jesus better, of, of our relationship with Jesus growing stronger. Um, so that's what I'm going to try and do this morning. The title of my message this morning is Relational. Relational. Who knows that, that not only as Christians, but just as human beings made in the image of God, we have, been, we have been made for relationships. We've been made for community. We've been created to exist in relationship and community, meaning we're supposed to live connected to one another, right? Parallel with one another. We do life together. We engage one another. We commune with one another. We relate to one another. We live with and for one another. Now that sounds, sounds good, right? That sounds good. Harmonious, loving, united relationships. That sounds fantastic. But many of us, I'm sure in this room, uh, would know by now that to live constantly in harmonious, united, loving relationships isn't always easy, is it? It's not always easy. For us humans, our relationships can get difficult, right? They can get tricky. They can get messy. They can even become hurtful and damaging. Relationships are not always easy. And plus, relationships take time, right? To build lasting, deep, and strong relationships, it takes time. And in this fast-paced, modern world where we just keep going, finding the time to prioritize relationships can be a challenge. Do you agree? Am I on my own here? We agree with that. They can get hard. And some of these things that I've just mentioned may have caused you and I in the past to be cautious of relationships, 
to not fully step into our relationships, just to have relationships at a distance, stay a little bit disconnected. It may have caused you and I to master the skill of having superficial relationships, just surface relationships. We avoid going deeper. We avoid deeper attachments, maybe to possibly avoid getting hurt. We approach relationships with our protective armor on sometimes, don't we? Or for some of us, just haven't found the time for relationships. Yes, sure, meaningful, loving relationships sound nice, but I'm just too busy. I can't stop. Sorry, I've got to keep moving. Life's too busy. But in doing so, I believe we cheat ourselves. We cheat ourselves out of God's intention for us. We cheat ourselves I believe out the very reason we were created for. And as we take a closer look at God this morning, what we will see is that God, our God, the God we worship, God is persons united in loving community, in harmonious relationships. And it is exactly what he has made us to exist for. Because we know in the Bible, in Genesis, it says, let us make man, mankind, in our image. Let us make mankind in our image. We've been made after God. So why then, why then we ask ourselves, well, why do our relationships fall so far short at times? Why do they fall so far short at times? Well, let's stay in the garden for a moment. We know Adam and Eve were living harmoniously with God, harmoniously united to God loving one another, ruling, having dominion over the earth, submitting to one another, united to one another, living harmoniously. Until, until the serpent came along, all right, most of us know, and tempted Eve, and then Adam and Eve sinned, went against God. And in doing so, we read in Genesis 3, at that moment, at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. So no longer were they in perfect union with God. God. The sin had separated that union. Sin had severed their relationship with God. And they could no longer experience his perfect presence, rest, and goodness. They also experienced shame, guilt, and fear. Knowing both good and evil. And we see immediately... Immediately, the effects of this on relationships. Firstly, the relationship with God, and secondly, the relationship with each other, don't we? They hide from God. They try to conceal what they've done. They become deceitful. They distance themselves. They're disconnected. And then what do they do? Then, be, then they begin to blame one another, right? It was him. It was her. It was the serpent. Accusations. They begin to blame one another and accuse. Their relationship turns from a self-giving direction to a self-centered direction. Self-giving to self-centered direction. Now, unfortunately, the original sin gets passed down to us, the Bible says. We're, you know, we, we become inheritors of it. So this is what we're dealing with in our relationships. But thankfully, that's not the end of the story. There's good news, right? There's good news. The gospel, there's good news. Jesus came into the world, into the world broken by sin. He came into the world to redeem what was lost. He came to redeem what was lost and offer you and I a chance 
to be restored back into right relationship with God and back into right relationship with one another. Amen? We have a chance. We have a way to change our self-centered life, broken by sin, into a self-giving life that truly begins to reflect the image of the God whose image we were created in. Amen? So what did Jesus come to to restore our relationships to exactly? What is relationship with one another supposed to look like as image bearers of God? If we are the people who are supposed to reflect God on this earth. So what are our relationships supposed to look like? Is he a blueprint? Is he a pattern for us to follow? Is he a model for us? And these, I think, these are good questions for us, right? As we're trying to walk out our, our life of faith in Jesus Christ, as we're trying to be faithful and followers of God and disciples, then these are the questions that we need to ask ourselves, right? What does this look like? What, where is our model? What is the pattern that we follow? And for this, here is where I think we need to, to take a closer look, a closer look at God, a closer look at the God we were made in the image of. Because, you know, we can attempt to understand God somewhat. Even though we have human and finite minds and, and brains and language, it's, it's limited, we can attempt to understand God. We can attempt to understand the divine because God has revealed himself to us. Okay? He's revealed himself to us in the Bible. With Revelation, he's uncovered himself. He's shown us things about himself that we can begin to understand. And he's done that through his word, through his son, Jesus Christ. In Matthew 11, it says, all things have been committed to me by my father. This is Jesus. No one speaking. No one knows the son except the father. And no one knows the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. So the son reveals God to us. We can begin to understand God by the word of God, by Jesus Christ. And what we understand about the nature of God through the word of God is that God is eternally and has always existed as one God in three distinct persons, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity. One God, three distinct persons. So we don't have three gods. We don't worship three gods. We don't have one God that just changes roles, <laughs> okay? We have one God who exists eternally as three distinct persons, the Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all are equal in divini divinity, and all are equal in authority. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God who exists eternally in three distinct persons. So this means that God's very nature and existence is relationship. He's one God existing in three persons. His very nature, who he is, what he is, is relationship and community. Yeah? He has always been and will always be. His eternal stance is united in loving, self-giving relationship as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is who he is. That is our God. To see the Trinity is to see that at the center of the universe, our ultimate reality, there's relationship, there's unity, there's community, there's love. 
Timothy Keller, um, some of you may have heard of him, he's a, he's a preacher, he's a, he's a theologian, and he describes a relationship of the Trinity like this. No person of the Trinity insists that the other revolve around him. Rather, each of them voluntarily circles and orbits around the other. They love one another, they glorify one another, they serve one another, and they defer to one another as if in a divine dance. I love the picture of that, as if in a divine dance. So what does this mean for us? What does this, to, to understand God this way, what does this mean for us? Well, I think it's huge. I think this has huge implications for us because if we understand that God exists in this way, as relationship, as community, and if we understand that we were made after the image of God, then we can understand that the very meaning of our existence is relationship and community, to live in unified, loving, self-giving relationships. Are you with me? <laughs> At the very core of us is a longing to exist in loving relationships. And in his very essence, as Father, Son, and Spirit, we discover that our ultimate reality is personal relationships and community. Firstly, with God, and then outwardly, reflecting this divine relationship outwardly in our relationships with one another. And this is where I believe, this is where I believe we will find our ultimate joy, our ultimate contentment, our ultimate satisfaction. This is where I believe we will find the wellspring of life in relationships, in relationships that circle one another, reflection of the divine relationship, in relationships that love one another, in relationships that give to one another, in relationships that serve one another, in relationships that glorify one another, in relationships that defend and defer to one another, in relationships that reflect the divine dance of the triune God we serve. And yes, we've fallen so far short. We have fallen so far short of reflecting this image of divine relationship amongst ourselves with one another. But here's a beautiful thing about understanding God in this way, of having a picture of the triune God. You, because, you know, God reveals things about himself for a reason, right? He doesn't just reveal them for nothing, for fun, that we can try and wrap our heads around it and, <laughs> and never really fully get it. He, he reveals himself for a reason. He reveals himself so we can know him. We can grab a hold of it. We can grow closer to him. So he reveals himself so he can become our reality. He can become the reality from which we live from. And the revelation of God as relationship, as, of, as God as triune, as God as one God, but existing eternally as three persons, is firstly an invitation for us, and then it's a model to us. So it's an invitation to us, and then a model for us. See, the first part of what Jesus came to redeem for us is to invite us back into right relationship with God. It's an, firstly an invitation to us, inviting back into right relationship with God. An invitation for us to enter back into, back into the unified relationship of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 
So he's inviting us into the relationship of the triune God. In John 17, Jesus says, and he's praying just before he's about to go to the cross, to his crucifixion, and he's praying for his disciples, and he's also praying for us, for those that will believe. And he says this, my prayer is not for them alone, for his disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So that's us. That's every one of us in this room who believes in Jesus Christ. I pray, for, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Can you see the essence of the, of the triune God there? That you in me, I in you, and they in us. He's drawing us back. He's inviting us into the life of the Trinity. I have given them the glory that you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. I in them, you in me. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Complete unity. That the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Wow. <laughs> Maybe we're going deep. Are we all okay? <laughs> this is it's amazing, isn't it? He's drawing us back into, into the life of the triune God. Back into what he has with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The love, the unity, the joy, the peace that they have. He's drawing us into it. He's inviting us into it. Whew, I'm preaching myself, Abby. <laughs> when we accept his invitation, when we accept his invitation and we receive Jesus Christ by faith, we become united again with God the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? We become united again to God the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been, we've been brought in. We've got been brought into the triune relationship. It's amazing to share the love, intimacy, joy, peace, and complete unity that they have. And we're invited to live from that reality. The beautiful, beautiful and extravagantly self-giving love of the Trinity is not only a model for us, it's firstly an invitation to us. We have to get that first. When Jesus gave up his divine glory, when he chose to, to willingly enter into our world, submit himself, sacrifice himself for us, that we read in Philippians, and we'll read it together now. Philippians 2.6, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. So what was, what was Jesus doing here? What was he doing? He was removing himself from the position of, uh, that he had that in, the, in the Trinity, in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He was removing himself and he was moving towards us. He was moving himself and he out and he was moving towards us. He entered our broken world. He came to, to us to die on the cross for our sins. He moved out and moved to us. He then began to circle around us, right? 
He began to circle around us. He centered on us. He loved us unconditionally. He served us. He gave himself wholly for us. He lifted us up. He defended us. He glorified us. Amen? In the hope, in the hope that we would say yes to the invitation of entering in, of being drawn in, back in to relationship with God, into the life of the Trinity. Again, Timothy Keller says this, when Jesus died on the cross, he was moving towards us. He was coming towards us and asking, would you like to dance? Would you like to dance? God is not a closed system. God is intensely and overflowingly relational and longs to draw us into the life of the Trinity. Jesus Christ moved towards us, and then we can choose to move towards him in faith, repentance, and surrender. And will we make that move towards him today? Will we make that move towards him today, perhaps for the very first time? Perhaps for the very first time we accept that invitation, or perhaps for some of us it's just to move closer to him, right? Sometimes we can live at a distance from him, can't we? And maybe for some of them reasons I mentioned, too busy, too scared, we're not really sure, whatever it is, we can live slightly disconnected. We can confess that Jesus is Lord, but do we live in a close, unified relationship with him? For some of us, it's moving closer to Jesus. The Trinity is firstly an invitation to us, and then it's a model for us. It's a model for us. Once we've experienced this bringing in, once we've been brought in by Jesus Christ to right relationship with, loving, with our loving God, it makes sense that we will begin to reflect this relationship with our, in our outward relationships, right? It makes sense that, w- that we would image these relationships with one another. Once we have experienced this love of God and this drawing in, it must transform us. It must transform us. We can't stay the same. And if it's not transforming us, we have to ask ourselves, have I experienced this? Have I really experienced it? Yeah, I might understand it. I might say, yeah, I might have mentally ascended to it. I might amen it. But have I really experienced it? Have I really personally experienced it? Do I take time just to be in his love? The song we sung, there's no rather slam, no better place I would rather be than in his love. Do we spend time in his love? Oh, we can't get to his busy schedule. Do we reflect on his love? Do we think about these things? Do we reflect on it and what it means to us? Do we seek it? Do we seek a deeper understanding of, it, of him, a deeper revelation when we leave church? Do we seek it for ourselves? God, reveal yourself to me. Show yourself to me. Give me the wisdom to know you better, Lord, because I want this to be real. I don't know about you, but I don't want it to be lip service. I want this to be real. I want this to be where I live from. I want this to be my life. Show me yourself, Lord. Reveal yourself to me, Lord. Do we pray? Lord, take me deeper. Take me deeper, Jesus. Do we thank him for it? Do we enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the amazing invitation. 
once we do, once we really begin to experience this, it will change how we relate to each other. It will change how we relate to each other. Grace is transformative. Grace is transformative. When we, when we truly get it, it transforms us. So there's two things that I want to just bring out really quickly about what the Trinity models for us. And, and there's, there's a lot. You know, God is huge. He's, you can't exhaust God. There's a lot. But just in this chapter um, of John 17, what we've spoken, uh, spoken about, there's two things that I just want to bring out for us this morning. What our relationships then should look like with one another. And the first one is humility. Humility, right? Humility towards one another. We know our God whose image we are made after, we know he is a humble God, right? He's not prideful. He's not self-seeking. It says in Matthew 11, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Do you know there's a rest for our relationships? There's There's a harmony. There's a rest. There's a peace for our relationships when we can take this posture of humility towards one another. And we see in the Trinity that neither the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit seek their own glory. They don't use another person at their own expense to try and get ahead, to try and gain their own glory. They don't do that. What do they do? They're giving glory to each other, right? They're giving glory to each other. The Father honors the Son. The Son honors the Father. The Father gives the Spirit. The Spirit testifies out the Son. The Spirit um, honors Jesus Christ. There's no hint of pride, jealousy, competitiveness, or selfishness. The Trinity reflects for us mutual submission, mutual glorification, mutual giving of one another to one another. You know, in that verse of Philippians that we read um, about Jesus just emptying himself of his glory and moving towards us, um, the, the reason the Apostle Paul brought that to light was because it was an instruction um, for the church to be like that. This is how we should be. In the few verses leading up to the chapter we've just read, he says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress people. Be humble. Thinking of yourselves, um, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look, out, don't look on, out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. We must have the same attitude as Jesus Christ did. Though he was God, did not consider himself equal with God something to be clung to. We must have the same attitude as Jesus Christ did. The posture, posture of humility. Do you know that the son laid down his life so the father could be revealed in him? The son laid down his life so the glory of God could be revealed in him. I mean, wow. What are we laying down? What are we laying down? What are we sacrificing? What what is God asking us to lay down so the glory of God can be revealed in our life for other people to see? What are we willing to lay down? Have we laid anything down? Is God putting some things on our hearts? Because this, these relationships, these relation, the relationship modeled by the Trinity, it is possible. It is possible, guys, because we have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us do it, right? The Holy Spirit in the church to help us live this life. 
it's possible to move from a self-centered direction in our relationships to a self-giving direction in our relationships and exist in relationships that can mutually submit, mutually honor, mutually serve, mutually love, and mutually give to one another. It is possible. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us do that. You know, Jesus says, when you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. And I believe we will. I believe we will. When you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. The second thing the Trinity models for us is unity in love. Unity in love. Jesus said in verse 23, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. One of the most important truths the Trinity teaches us is about love. A love that unifies. A love that unifies. We know the goal of the Christian life is to receive the love of God and then to give that love to one another. To give that love to people. To unify his people to God and then to one another. Amen. Colossians tells us, above all else, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Clothe yourself in love. It binds us all together in perfect harmony. We see that the persons of the Trinity, they don't exist to love themselves. They exist to love one another, don't they? They exist to love. We exist because we were first loved. We exist because we were first loved. But unfortunately, the, the, the culture that we live in, modern society tells us, well, it's all about loving yourself, right? It's all about loving yourself. Put the love of yourself first. But this couldn't be further from the truth. And we wonder why there's so much unrest. We wonder why people are, you know, struggling in their life. Couldn't be further from the truth. In 1 John 4, it tells us God is love. God is love. And God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through them. Our, very, our nature is to love others. We're designed to exist. We're designed to love, to receive the love of the Father through the Son and give the love out to others through the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> See, the, the Trinity, and it's amazing to receive the love of the Father through the Son and give that love out through the power of the Holy Spirit. A love that unifies, a love that builds up, a love that seeks the best interests of others, a love that draws others in like we've been drawn in, a love we see exists between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a love from which we have all been created from. Look at the team up. Thanks, guys. We are made to reflect the Trinity in our relationships with one another. Now this, as we've seen, it doesn't only have implications for our life. It's not just implications for us. It also has implications for the rest of the world. For the rest of the world. Jesus says, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me even as you have loved them. Then the world will know. The world will know. That is why it's so important for us to have an understanding of this. An awareness of this. Because you see, this invitation to the divine dance not just for us it's for the world right it's not just for us it's for the world but God wants to use the people who are already part of the dance 
to draw others in as well. God moves towards us so we can then move towards others. It's moving, it's missional, it's a dance. It doesn't stay still. He moves towards us, we move towards others. So we can see, guys, that the way our relationships are, the way we live in our relationships, the way we behave in our relationships, what we reflect out there to the world as image bearers of God, as Christians, as professing our faith in Jesus Christ, what we reflect then out there to the world in our relationships is either going to do one or two things, right? It's either going to draw people in or it's either going to push people away. We're going to draw people in or push them away. It says in Galatians, when we bite and devour each other, we will destroy one another. We destroy one another. Our witness, our, our testimony of Jesus Christ isn't powerful. It repels people. It pushes them away. It doesn't draw them in. No, Jesus says, it's your love for one another that will prove to the world you are my disciples. It's your love for one another. Why? Why is that? Because when we live in this way, we're mirroring. We are mirroring the very nature of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our God who is community of love, our God who is relationships. We're mirroring that so the world can know him and the world can see him. And I guess the obvious question we have to ask ourselves at the end of this is, well, well what do we want our lives to do? What do we want our lives to reflect? Do we want to draw people into Christ or do we want to push, push people away? And I think I know what the answer is, right? We want to draw people in, don't we? We love Jesus. We want to draw people in to this divine dance. So my prayer is this morning, my prayer is this morning but the, by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can fully Step in to what Jesus Christ has come to redeem for us in our relationships. Firstly with God and then with one another. That we can, again, by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can lay down our pride. We can lay down our offense. We can lay down our unforgiveness. We can lay down what we think we deserve or what we think we should have. We can lay down our self-glorification. We can lay down. And we can take that posture of humility towards one another so that the glory of God can be seen in our lives, our relationships with one another, that we can move from self-centered relationships to self-giving, self-serving, not self-service, giving, serving others, honoring others, that we can move the direction of our relationships. Because I figure that if that's what it takes, to draw people into this divine dance of salvation, love, relationship, hope, joy. If that's what it takes to draw people in, then I think that's lives well lived. Amen? That's lives well lived. Because this dance doesn't finish on this earth, does it? It goes on into eternity. It's an eternal stance, an eternal dance, lives. What a beautiful witness for Christ, for God. What a beautiful reflection of God our relationships with one another could be. And let us remember 1 Corinthians 13, 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, 
and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you, Jesus. Let's take a moment now just to be in his presence. The presence of God is here. And you know, maybe, maybe we've not even accepted the invitation to enter into right relationship with God yet. Maybe, you know, you feel you sense God, you feel he's been seeking you. And this is the moment, whether in the, in the building or, or online, this is your moment that you, you know Jesus Christ is drawing you in. He's moved towards you and you're ready to say, yeah, Jesus, yeah, I accept. I accept your invitation. And you can repeat this prayer after me in church if we follow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you moved towards us, that you died on the cross for us, for the forgiveness of our sins, and you were raised to life again. I look to you, Lord, as Lord of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet, church? I'm just going to worship for a bit longer. We're just going to let... Spirit of God move amongst us. Father, I just I just pray as we bring this word to an end, Father, we thank you for revealing yourself to us. We thank you for giving us your son so we can understand. We can understand you better. We can know you better. We can live closely in communion with you and our lives can truly reflect who you are and truly live out our faith and what we say we profess. We thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place now just as we worship. Lord, Holy Spirit, come and strengthen us. Give us wisdom, Lord. Bring us revelation in the areas that we might just might not understand. We can't get it. Holy Spirit, I pray you will come and shed light on these areas. Illuminate yourself for us, Holy Spirit. We thank you. You're with us. We thank you. You're here. You're the living God. You're amongst us. Thank you, Jesus. We offer you our praise right now. We offer you our praise and worship. We glorify you as you glorified us. We glorify you, Lord. We give it back to you. We thank you, Jesus. Let's worship, church. If you want prayer, I'd love to pray for you. Let's stand together and ask for strengthening or whatever it is you need this morning. I would love to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing. Give in your love.